This is The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel. Now, I want to make the strong statement that I believe that the Christian should be sober and vigilant, aware of the times and seasons they live in, aware of what the Bible says is coming, to be cautious, but not for the sake of just being, having more knowledge about prophetic events. It's for the sake because there is a mission and there is a purpose that we have been called to in these last days. So the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. What is our purpose here on earth before Christ's return? In today's message, Pastor Josh says that we should be ready for his return at any time and that there's a clear call for us to share the gospel with those around us. We should be vigilant and ready for anything that happens. There will be no questions when the end times come. You should be ready for it. Be ready by preparing your heart for his return. Constantly remind yourself that you're a child of God and live for him today. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of Revelation chapter one, as he continues his message, Revelation Intro. The greatest time of trial the earth has ever known or seen will be collected into that seven-year period of time, and Revelation 6 through 18 record the events that take place within that season of time. And this culminates, of course, in the second coming of Jesus, when the time is perfect and right to the earth. The battle of Armageddon, you might have heard, and Jesus then judges the earth in righteousness and he establishes his kingdom from which he rules and reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years on this earth in righteousness with all those who died in the tribulation having trusted in his name and all of those of us who were caught up together to be with the Lord. We are in our resurrected bodies. We are ruling and reigning with Christ on this earth, and it's, it's, an, it's the golden age of humanity, folks. In fact, I would argue that the, the thing that humanity apart from God today is pushing to try to attain, which they never will, you know, peace, you know, world peace and unity and environmental perfection, everything everyone wants, it's all gonna be here one day. It's all coming. And it's coming when the prince of peace and the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords rules in his rightful place as king of the earth. This will be his fulfillment of the prophecies he made to King David, of the prophecies he's made in the Garden of Eden, of the prophecies he made to Abraham. Jesus will fulfill those physically on the earth one day. And we will rule and reign with him and I just can't wait uh, where I don't have to vote for anyone, Jesus is just in charge. That's, I'm really excited about that time coming up ahead of us. And here's what, of course, blows my mind in the chronology of Revelation, that after those thousand years are, are over, there still has to be prophetic things fulfilled in regards to Isaiah's pictures of the new heavens and the new earth. And so Satan is released. He had not been able to intimidate or to seduce or to uh, deceive the nations during the reign of Christ, but he is released again. And, and here's the thing about people. I, I mean, people boggle my mind, self-included. Is anyone else confused about people? 
Like, we can't seem to get it right. After a thousand years of perfection on earth, perfect rule, perfect peace, perfect environment, everything everyone ever wanted, after a thousand years, all the nations of the earth are going to gather together and try to war against Christ. And of course, Jesus has none of it. He takes care of it immediately. And there we proceed to the great white throne judgment where the names are read from the books, all the dead are raised, and some go into the lake of fire, into eternal destruction, and others into a new heaven and a new earth which God recreates. A heaven and earth of complete perfection where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sin, no more death, and the righteous dwell there with their Savior for all eternity. See, it's easy, it's no problem. So as we look at this content, we understand that there is a chronology here. The details, of course, are very in-depth, and we'll get to those as we study the book. But let's take a picture from verses 1 and 2 of what the content really points us towards. First of all, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. It's, it opens up by saying, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, it is a revelation of Jesus Christ in two ways. And first, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ in the sense that it belongs to him. It's his to give. But secondly, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ because from chapter 1 to chapter 22, we start to see Jesus more clearly. And that is what makes this book so incredibly awesome to me, is that it's designed to make us more in awe of Jesus. It's designed to make us stand in greater respect and honor and worship of Jesus. The word revelation here is singular, not plural. It's not many revelations, and it's one revelation, and it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is all about Jesus. It was given to Jesus, conveyed from Jesus, and reveals Jesus as he is now and as he will be when he returns to the earth. In the book of Revelation, we see Jesus revealed as God, as the shepherd of his sheep, as savior, as judge, as priest, as conqueror, and as king. We get all these pictures of Jesus by simply reading the book of Revelation. The Greek word for revelation is the word apocalypsis, and you can probably understand what English word comes from that Greek word, apocalypse, and all of a sudden everyone hears apocalypse and they're thinking like destruction and death and asteroids hitting the earth and blowing up and all these crazy end times things that the world puts together, apocalypse. Now the Greek word apocalypsis simply means the unveiling, the revealing of what's already there. So revelation is not here to convolute or to confuse or to shroud what's ahead of us, it's here to open it up to us. It's not here to hide Jesus, it's here to reveal who Jesus truly is. And that's what I love about this book. I I wanna tell you that if you, in your study of Revelation, get your eyes off Jesus, boy, it's gonna get real confusing, real fearful, real conspiracy theorist thing really fast. People go off into so many tangents about Revelation because they forget that it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus who came, Jesus who died, Jesus who rose again, Jesus who is coming back, Jesus who offers all people the opportunity for salvation and hope and eternal life so they don't have to experience the things that are written in this book of Revelation. It's all about Jesus. The book of Revelation is less about 666 and more about holy, holy, holy. It's less about the revelation of judgment and more about the revelation of Jesus. 
Because we can get into so many wacky things, people. Trust me. Did you hear a tree fell over in Lebanon and landed in Israel? Ezekiel 39 and 38, it's happening. Oh, really? All of these prophecy experts are always looking for something to grab onto to keep their audience, you know, everything. Now, I want to say clearly, I believe that where the times we live in fit into a prophetic picture. And I believe that the world is in such a stage where things are coming together at such rapid paces that make a lot of revelation that was once obscure or confusing a lot clearer. And we're gonna go through some of that, but we need to be careful about our conspiracies and all of our getting sidetracked by all the wrong things in the book of Revelation. Jesus' disciples, when they saw Jesus after he had resurrected, were all enthusiastic about prophecy. They were like, Jesus, when are you gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it now? And they were just all excited about when's the end times, last days, all these things. And what did Jesus tell them? Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. His disciples were like, let's just sit around and talk about prophecy, and Jesus was like, don't sit around, get up, be filled with the Spirit, and go do something while you have the chance before I return. And see, the book of Revelation should motivate us less to fall in love with prophecy and more to fall in love with Jesus. Now, I want to make the strong statement that I believe that the Christian should be sober and vigilant, aware of the times and seasons they live in, aware of what the Bible says is coming, to be cautious, but not for the sake of just being, having more knowledge about prophetic events. It's for the sake because there is a mission and there is a purpose that we have been called to in these last days. So the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's a revelation for us, the church. He says here, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show or to reveal to his servants. Are there any servants of Jesus in the house today? This book, according to this author, is for you. Not just some past church, but for every Christian who says, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. It's for us to give us the application and the revelation that we need to know the heart of Jesus for these last days. It is also, thirdly, a revelation of the future. Notice he says, the things which must shortly take place. Shortly take place. That's, that's, a, that's a future statement. They haven't happened yet when, when John wrote them. Now, some would look at this and say, well, he clearly said that they must shortly take place. I mean, it's been 2,000 years. What on earth is going on? These things must have happened already because, it, it, you know, if it's shortly to take place, that would have been right near when John wrote these things, wouldn't it? Well, two ideas here. First, um, God defines shortly differently than we do. <laughs> Peter clearly writes, but beloved, do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, that is, his promise to return, as some count slackness, but is patient towards us, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So perhaps God can take his own time, whatever time he wants, until all the people that are gonna be saved are saved, then the time is right. That's not really our business. But second idea here is it's not really what the passage says. The Greek word is very clear, and some translations get it right. In takos in the Greek, the word does not mean shortly, as in the time between now and when the event takes place. The better translation would be quickly. That is, it's a word that describes from the moment something begins to the moment it ends, it all happens very quickly. So John is saying these events, once they start, it's going to be a rapid succession of events and it's all going to unfold very quickly. It's kind of like, guys, you know, when, you're, when your wife says, hey, can, can, can you go shopping with me? And you're like, as long as it's quickly. I mean, it's from the moment you get in the car to the moment you get home, you don't want it to be six hours later. If I said, we've got caroling, Christmas caroling in Krug Park, you guys, and, and I got the vol- team of volunteers together, and I say, okay, here are the things that have to be done quickly uh, to get ready for the caroling in Krug Park. I'm not telling them, go tomorrow and do it. I'm saying, when the time is right for you to do it, you have to do all these things in the right succession or the right order. And this is a picture that John is painting here. And so, it's almost like God has stopped his stopwatch in the church age, in his dealing with Israel, and I'm going to talk more about that when we study Daniel, and, and when the church age is complete, the stopwatch clicks back on, and then all of a sudden, everything happens like this. And when they, think about this. In seven year, in se, within seven years, Revelation tells us that at one point, in one hour, one quarter of the world's population is totally wiped out. You think, you think we've seen Holocaust? I'm not minimizing the tragedies we've seen in this world, but you have no idea. Amen. It's like every tragedy the world's ever known compacted into a quick succession of seven years. It's insane. And it's all righteous, which again, we will look at in the times to come. So we think of this as in quickly. Here's a couple verses to kind of support this idea. Mark chapter 13, Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly, that's quickly, he find you sleeping. And and this is what I say to you all, watch. Paul alludes to this same idea of quickness in 1 Thessalonians 5.3. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. So everything's good and then that clock starts and it's just sudden. That sudden destruction. When I even just think about it, it's like what kind of, what manner of people should we be considering these truths? I do not believe that time has started yet but it's coming. I know it's coming. I'm confident it's coming because God doesn't swing and miss when it comes to prophecy. It's, it's, most Bible scholars agree that at very least, regarding Jesus' first coming, coming, that Jesus fulfilled in his first coming 300, at least 300 Old Testament prophecies to the T. Accurately, he fulfilled these promises. And so Jesus doesn't strike out. God says in Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, 
and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. He is the one who declares the beginning of the story and the end of the story. And everything we write, he writes can be trusted. We can bank on it. So it's a revelation of the future. Fourthly, the content of revelation is a revelation of the truth. I mentioned this, but the verse continues in verses one and two. He sent his and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all the things that he saw. So John is saying, I have, I am an eyewitness account. Well, what's significant about that? Well, John, the apostle of whom Jesus loved, when Jesus was on the earth, what did John write about him? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John walked with Jesus, laughed with Jesus, cried with Jesus, leaned on Jesus' chest, ate with Jesus. John knew this Jesus, and he wrote in 1 John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What is the significance, Josh? Here John is saying, in the same way I bore witness to Jesus coming into the world and walking with us and his miracles and his resurrection and his death and his ascension in the same way I know what I saw. I saw him in heaven. And I saw the vision of things to come and I bore witness to the word of God. It's the same trust that we can have in the words that are before us in Revelation. And so we see the framework of interpretation. We see the general idea of the content. Finally, and we'll end here, we see that revelation comes with this promise. Verse three says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. In other words, revelation was not revealed to be ignored. Would there be anyone in here if I was to ask you, hey, do you guys want the fullness of God's blessing in your life? You'd be like, no, thank you. Well, here we have a very special blessing that comes through reading, hearing, and doing what's in this book. You might say, some might say, well, Josh, what, do you, what does Revelation tell us to do? Let me tell you what, there are two chapters coming up in the next few weeks where Jesus talks to his church. And let me tell you, Jesus pulls no punches he speaks directly, he speaks honestly, and it's pretty powerful. And notice the motivation he gives us for the time is near. Or the translation there, the word near means at hand. We, are in, we have entered into the last days where we are awaiting these events to take place. And because that time is near, we ought to read and hear and understand these words. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 5, verse 15 and through 17. See then that you walked circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So he's saying here, the time is near. You want the blessing 
that comes from this book. Now, there are probably many blessings he's referring to, but here are just four quick ones that I've pulled out. I believe that reading, hearing, and keeping the book of Revelation gives us, number one, the blessing of perspective. The blessing of perspective. In in other words, I don't know about you guys, but, but I always like to drive. I always enjoy a drive better if I know where I'm going, if I know the destination. Here, Revelation opens up our eyes to what's ahead. It gives us the blessing of having perspective, eternal perspective in this life. And you guys, that is a huge blessing because I believe one of the greatest tactics of the enemy to the church is to get people stuck in thinking that your best life, your best time is right now. Don't think about eternity. Don't think about the future. Just what's in front of you, that's what you need to focus on. But when you read Revelation, all of a sudden it's unveiled. The cover comes off. The curtains are pulled back. And we see, no, our best life is not now. It's ahead of us. Our best time is ahead of us. And this world and everything in it, your houses, your cars, your bank accounts, your clothing, all the things you worry about, all the things we consume ourselves with, they're all going to be destroyed by the fire. You can't take any of it with you. And you might think, Josh, I'm not not sure I'm receiving the blessing. Hey, listen, to have eternal perspective is a blessing because it frees you to be about the mission of Christ that he's called you to. I I believe, secondly, we we receive the blessing, the motivation. If everything in this book is coming to pass, and I believe it is, there is a mission worth living for while we have the opportunity. Now is the time to let people know of the good news that though the righteous and rightful wrath of God is coming to the earth, God is patient and has provided a way of escape. For we, the Bible says, have not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. And that gives us a motivation to share the truth of Jesus with others. You don't have to be afraid of what you read in Revelation. You just need to be right with God through the opportunity, through the the way, the truth, and the life he has provided. That is the gift of salvation through Christ. And then we have the blessing of security. As you read Revelation, trust me, you're going to be happier and happier every day that you know Jesus. That your salvation is secure in Christ. And when you await, when you read what awaits his enemies and what awaits his people, you will rejoice. Thank you, Jesus, that you have saved me. Thank you, Jesus, that you have done what I could never do. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave me in my sin, but you came and you gave me the hope of everlasting life. And then we receive, I believe, the blessing of holiness. Again, when you read through the letters of Jesus to his church, it sanctifies you. It causes you to repent. It refocuses your heart. And when you become the person, the kind of church, the kind of people that God that Jesus intends you to be, you're going to be blessed with holiness in your life, with joy, with peace, and with strength. And so blessed, that's a promise, is the person who doesn't run away from the things found in this book, but embraces them and turns their heart to Jesus. 
Wow. That informative message in Revelation was brought to you not only by Pastor Josh, but this radio ministry, The Ascending Life. Awakening people to the love, truth, and power of God is what we're all about here at Grace Calvary Church, home base of The Ascending Life. If you want to learn anything about us beyond that, you should visit our website, theascendinglife.com. We've got oodles of tools such as Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to help you connect and follow what's happening here. Again, all of this can be found at theascendinglife.com. For additional teachings, just find the About tab and click on Grace Calvary. We're glad you're listening today, and it's our pleasure to be a part of it. We also want to say thank you for your support through the years, and we want you to know that our door is always open. So if you're in the St. Joseph, Missouri area, stop in and meet us. We'll be here Sunday mornings at 8 and 10.30. We'd love to worship Jesus with you by our side. If you aren't that close, please still join us through our live stream found on Facebook or YouTube. Don't let Satan cheat you out of time well spent. We trust that what you heard today put a smile on your face and a spring in your step because of what Jesus has done and is doing just for you. If you'd like to call us, our number is 816-279-2090. Again, that number to reach us is 816-297-2090. That's it for today's edition of The Ascending Life. We're reaching up, we're pressing in.